Hey everybody, it's Clint. It's been so long since I've done a podcast and I just wanted to be able to come to you and start one and hopefully be much more consistent about this throughout the holidays. Um, I'm going to entitle these that I'm going to do um, how to manage your anxiety through acceptance. Now these things are going to take a while. Um, These are probably going to come in a lot of parts. I'll do these at kind of 10 to 15 minute intervals and over the course of the next weeks and through the holidays and through the first of the year, let's learn about our anxiety. Let's learn about um, how us accepting things about life. And what I'm really going to talk about is what we call radical acceptance. Uh, things about life can um, help us in overcoming our anxieties. So the first thing I want you guys to recognize and what we all need to recognize at times is that The biggest problem that we all have, the biggest thing that we all face, whether you think you do or not, is feeling unworthy. You know, at times we need to be our own best friend. Now, what do I mean by this? Being our own best friend means that we don't have an inner judge, that we stop the relentless nitpicking that we have on ourselves, Uh, that we give ourselves mercy, that we give ourselves kindness because we tend not to. Um, What happens for us is we have this inner judge. We have this relentless nitpicking. We don't give ourselves any kindness or mercy. Um, These things are invisible to us. We don't even think about them. They become so automatic in our thinking, in our being, in our feeling that they're always on the job. They're always guiding our assumptions. They're always saying to us, hey, is something fundamentally wrong with me? What's going on? Why can't I do this enough? Why can't I do that enough? You've heard me talk about shame. This is what shame is. That we somehow think that we know something's wrong with us, and then we struggle to control it and to fix that flawed self that we have. So what ends up happening in our life, in all of our lives, we end up feeling not okay. And when we're not okay, and we constantly go about nitpicking and judging ourselves and not giving ourselves any kindness stuff we would not do to our best friends our spouses our kids we do it to ourselves we end up not feeling okay and we have this deep sense of loneliness this deep sense of depression and anxiety this is why i'm using that word anxiety this is what comes up nothing's ever good enough we always constantly feel as if there's something that is wrong with me it's invisible It's actually this invisible, toxic gas that we are continuously breathing. So imagine that. If you're continuously breathing some toxic, nauseous gas, how you would feel? What would be going on with you? And this belief about ourselves that something is inherently wrong with us, it's this toxic gas we keep breathing in. What it means is that we examine our lives with this lens of personal insufficiency. We're always imprisoned in this, what I would like to call this trance of unworthiness. So we feel unworthy and now we're in this trance. We're breathing in this noxious gas. We're taking it. It's constantly being the undertone of our thinking and our feeling and how we see the world around us. And we're in this trance and we're trapped here. And when we're trapped here, we're unable to see who we truly are. We're convinced that we're not good enough. We're never going to get it right. We're never going to be able to relax. You know why? Because we stay on guard. 
We're constantly monitoring ourselves for the next shortcoming. Shortcoming. Guess what? You're going to find that shortcoming. We're constantly racing in life to the finish line of death. All the while, we're just skimming over life. We're monitoring our thoughts. We're monitoring our feelings. We're monitoring what's going on. We're racing and racing and racing to make sure we get it right. And we never really get to live deeply. Man, what a statement that is. We never live deeply. We race toward the finish line, and that's going to be death, and we never get to live a life that's deeply fulfilling. You know, our culture and our society perpetuates this. Because most of us grew up in a household or in a world that had no cohesive family group or nourishing group or community or any closeness that said to us, that validated us, that let us know that we are worthy. So what happens in society too, that's our culture we grew up in and our families, but in society, we are under constant pressure to compete with each other, to get it better, to get it right, to be better than you, to be better than the next person, to make sure you've got it right, to make sure you make A's, to make sure you get to college, to make sure you do your job better than the next person, to make sure that you're working harder. All these things are perpetuated. Our religious belief perpetuate this, especially if you're a Christian. It says that Adam and Eve fell, and we fell with them, and then excluded us from the garden. And we spend our entire life, lifetime trying to earn our way back into the garden. You know how we do this? We do this by trying to control our bodies, our thoughts, our minds, our emotions, um, our eating, our diets, our exercise, everything. We can do it by trying to control other people. If I could just get them to do that right, if they would just listen to me, if my kids would just, if they would just, if my spouse would just, if my partner would just. We do it by trying to control events. You've heard me talk about this in other podcasts. Hey, if that wouldn't happen to me, if I could keep that happening to me, if I could make sure nothing's going to go right wrong today, if I could make sure and be out ahead of myself that nothing's going to happen bad, then I'll be okay. And we do this tirelessly. We work, we acquire, we consume, we achieve, we email, we overcommit, we rush. You hear yourself doing those things? We do it to other people. We try to control them. Story of a family who went to dinner. They sit down at dinner. Mom and dad sit down at dinner with their daughter. The waitress comes up, looks at the daughter. Who's a kid? Let's say eight, nine, ten, five, six, even that range. And the daughter looks at the waitress because the waitress asks her, hey, what do you want to eat? And the daughter says, hey, I want some hot dog, french fries, and a Coke. Mom and dad say, no, 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 no. She wants mashed potatoes, broccoli, and a steak. The waitress looks back at the girl and says, what would you like on your hot dog? The daughter with a smile and a glow on her face, looks back at her parents and says, she thinks I'm real. Imagine how we try to control people and our kids and our lives and ourselves that way. Like we're not even real. Like somehow things have to be and look and do in a certain way for us to be worthy. Our culture does this. Our parenting does this. We perpetuate it on our kids. Our parents perpetuate it on us. They had parents who weren't perfect. 
if we need something when we were kids, if we needed something, if we wanted something, if I came to you and I was sad and hey, somebody hurt me, mom, and this is what's going on, and I'm angry, or I'm hurt by this, at times we were treated as if we were needy. Oh, go fix that. Oh, go do that. Oh, be self-reliant. Be an independent individual. Take care of yourself, because if you don't, you're too needy. This especially happens with men. We're too needy. It's too much. You can't be sad. You can't be upset. If you are, be self-reliant. If you ask for something, if you need something, you're not self-reliant. You're not controlling things. And what happens is, where I started, we had this undertone of inadequacy and unworthiness and shame. What's wrong with me? Why can't I ever get this right? Now, what I want to cover just today is the strategies that we use to manage these inadequacies, just so you can hear them today. Number one, we embark on self-improvement project after self-improvement project after self-improvement project. We try to get things more right and better. Diet, exercise, spiritual quest. Any kind of quest we go on, I'm just going to make this better. I'm going to do this right. I'm going to do that diet, this thing, that exercise routine, that exercise, this spiritual contrast. I'll go to church longer. I'll read the Bible more. I'll pray more. I'll whatever I have to do to do that. Number two, we hold back. We play it safe rather than risk failure. Hey, I don't want to fail. I don't want to do this wrong. I got to get it right. I've always got to get it right. Ooh, I don't want to try that because what have I fail? Number three, we withdraw from our experience of the present moment. What we do is we get ahead of ourselves. We have this illusion that somehow if we can control what's going to happen in the future, we're somehow managing our life now. That somehow if we can, we have this illusion that if I'm out ahead of myself, I'm actually managing my life somehow. And I can stop personal failure from happening out there. But the reality is we're not out there. Those moments haven't come yet. So we're not living in our present experience. Number four, we keep busy. We work and we work and we go. We email, we email, we email. And today we have our phones in front of our faces. And we're constantly scrolling through them and doing them and making them. And we never really stop. We stay busy. Number five, we focus on other people's faults. We worry about what they're thinking, what they're doing, how that's not good enough, and that's not good enough. It keeps us from looking at our own inadequacies. It keeps us from understanding how I may be hurting. Because I don't want to touch that. And six, we become our own worst critics. We manage everything about ourselves. It's not good enough. It's never going to be good enough. Why is this? It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not good enough. It's never going to be. And as I talk about those things and you hear those things, you can understand how that creates so much anxiety for all of us. We're not good enough. We're never going to be good enough. And this is the beginning of our anxiety. And we have such a hard time accepting. But guess what? We may not be in control of everything happening to us in our life. These events, our kids what's happening to our bodies, what's happening around us. We don't want to accept that because we've got to manage our inadequacies. We've got to manage the unworthiness and we've got to get it right to get back with God, to get back in the garden, to be a man, 
to be a woman, to be a human being that people will accept and love and care about because, you know, everybody else is doing it better. And so we never accept the present moment of what's going on. We struggle and we fight all because of our inadequacies. Now I'm just starting here. And these past 10, 12 minutes, I just wanted you to hear how we all struggle, including me. Now we all live with this deep place of somehow that this trance of unworthiness that we are not good enough when we have to be. And we use those six strategies to try to deal with that inadequacy, which are very far from acceptance, which are very far from what we really need to be doing to take care of ourselves. So give that some thought today, this week, listen to it again, write it down, and we're gonna go through some strategies over the next coming days and weeks about radical acceptance and what that means and how to do this differently. So we can attempt to manage our anxiety better. We'll never overcome it, but man, we can accept it. We can tolerate it. We can manage it much better so that we are no longer lonely. We are no longer afraid. We are no longer not present in the moments we are in. What we can become is more mindful, more caring, and we can be our own best friend. Thank you for listening. If you know somebody who needs this, pass it around and share it on any social media you can so we can help people deal with their anxieties, come to a place of acceptance, and feel better. That's the goal here, right? So thank you guys. Namaste. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.